High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, wannabe spies, excellent rollerbladers. I don't know what else to say for this movie, but this is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I... Would like to see the results. We're still here. We're still mired deep in our Corey and Corey. Two Corey's lap, our two Corey's series. So, of course, your homework is so Corey-centric. But before we get into the Corey's, remember to hit that subscribe button. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or, of course, you could listen to us at caseclub.me. That's caseclub.me. Remember, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So participate, please. I love the dialogue. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course, I hope you did your homework on Monday. We talked a Corey movie. I can't even remember which one at this point because I've watched so many. <laughs> we talked License to Drive. Of course, License to Drive is awesome. Both Corys. Today, your homework was to watch The Double O Kid, a much more obscure Corey film, but a different kind of gem in its own right. Corey Haim, we're talking about today. This is just a Corey Haim film, but the cast, oh my god, we'll get into it. We'll get into it with Mike Mansi, of course, my co-pilot on this Corey flight. And today, we have another guest with us to break our s- insanity. I was going to say break our sanity. No, no, no. Break our insanity. And that's Austin Wolf Southern. You know he's always good. Don't want to spoil the episode too much, but we have such a blast with this conversation. And again, if you saw the movie, if you did your homework on the Double O Kid, well, 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 <laughs> you know how crazy it's going to get. Whoa, whoa, the bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Remember that. Sorry, I did not have enough time to write a high school movie news segment. And oh my god, I feel so overwhelmed. So many new high school films are coming out. I don't even know like, which ones to talk about, which ones we're going to do or not do anymore. You see they announced Hocus Pocus 2. I don't even know if that's going to be a high school movie. And if it is, I suppose we'll cover it here once again. What else came out this week or that was leaked this week that I was like, oh my god, oh, the the Dear Evan Hansen drama, how the dude in it is like an adult. We deal with that all the time here on High School Slumber Party. I promise for Monday we're going to do a high school movie news segment because there's so much to talk about. But today, it's Friday. I know you're getting antsy. I know the bell just rang. I know you're looking at that clock in the corner. You're like, I got plans, buddy. I got to drive my car. I got to take my girl out. We got to do something, right? 
Well, I'll cut you some slack. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother sleeping up Ryan's. Because we're about to get our party on. I don't know the name of this song I'm going to leave you with. But it's in the movie a lot, so I isolated it from some clips of the movie. The chorus is on the western side, so we're just going to call it that. So, <laughs> on the western side. Class dismissed. co-host on this one because this is our first Corey film with another person super excited but uh off recording we kind of mentioned it your audio is a little different today in a little standard definition because that's all we could get to work so thank you mike for figuring it out and hopping on this chat with me today so mike do you want to introduce your introduce yourself all right so mike manzi rhs class of 97 go maroons and so thankful we have some help today, some extra support. He's starting to crush under the weight of the Corys a little bit. Yes, we've admired in Corey and Corey films. And this one, this is a very unique one today. And Austin, you're our, uh, you're our guest today. And you suggested this one, the Double O Kid. But first, mm-hmm. introduce yourself and then let's talk Corys. All right. Uh, Austin Wolf Southern, class of 2000, Balboa Secondary School. Go Wombats, and uh, I'm a little under the weather today, so I, I'm feeling slightly delirious, which was a great way to watch this movie. We'll see if it's a great way to talk about it, but if my voice is a little off as well, it's because I have uh, hope, probably not COVID, but you know, could be. <laughs> I'm also in somewhat of, a, I feel like a fever dream sort of is a good uh, state of mind uh, that I'm in because I only got to watch this once and I think that was a good thing. It sort of scrambled in my mind the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we want to get too into it, but I definitely didn't uh, know what was happening in this movie. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, if that's the state I was in or the movie. You'll have to tell me. Probably a little bit of both. And I appreciate both of you for coming on in your delirious states. But I think it'll be a good environment to talk about this one, The Double O Kid. Uh, but before that, Austin, since, Mike, you've already divulged your history with the Corys, Austin, do you have any history yourself with Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, both Corys, neither Corey? What's your story? Uh, not in any significant way. I mean, I've seen the big ones that they're both in, Dream a Little Dream and License to Drive and Lost Boys. And then I've seen a few movies of them individually. I like Corey Feldman a lot as a kid actor. I mean, I love him in uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. You know, he's good in Gremlins. But I, I don't have a particular attachment to either of them. And there's a lot of their work that I have not seen. And a lot of the more obscure movies like this that 
look really good to me, but I've never like rushed to see them. There are a lot of these I'm finding out. Every time I yeah. go to my Google search, there's another Corey film that's in this genre. And I'm quickly learning that Corey Haim, at least, played a high schooler for at least 10 to 12 years, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the word genre because, like, this kind of was a weird direct-to-video teen spy genre, you know? I mean, I think of, like, the Richard Grieco movie that made it the theaters. The name escapes me. But, like, this was kind of a thing, I feel. And, yeah, Brian, way more... Uh, of this stuff than, than I was aware. I had never seen this before. This is my one and only time. So you guys brought it to my attention. Awesome. Do you have a history with Double O Kid at all? I think I had like stumbled across the trailer just looking for like hacker trailers or something. So I'd only seen the trailer and I, I thought it looked great. Gotcha. I know you enjoy a good hacker film. And Mike, you enjoy a good yes. hacker film as well. So And the film Hackers, I enjoy very, very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yes. sneakers, I was getting, I was getting at first, I was like, is this going to be like the Robert Redford sneakers movie where they're like the physical break into a building hackers? But like, I'm not sure in the end, like, you know, what amount of a hacker film this is turned out to be, but it was fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's the Richard Grieco film, If Looks Could Kill. That is the one. Yes. This looks great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man is he Looks a teen so is he a teen in that do i have to add it to the list yeah he has to take summer class in french <gasps> to graduate high school if looks could kill awesome <laughs> co-written by fred decker he made monster squad in night of the comets oh night, wow. of, the, night of the creeps so that's cool. That's, <laughs> anyway, uh, I had to look that up, but that looks amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Not today's film, though. <laughs> we, we may have to do a Teen Spy series between the three of us. <laughs> well, well, I'll write it down. I'll uh, make sure we all get on that. But we have to tackle the Double O Kid today. And uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. And this is one that, Mike, I'm afraid that we're going to see a bunch of these direct-to-VHS Corey films and say, what the fuck, collectively. Um, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but you know what? There, there, there are some fun things in here. There are some things I really, really want to talk about. So here's the back of the aforementioned VHS, which will catch everyone up to speed, hopefully. I don't know. I haven't read it. I'm looking forward to hearing what it's about. <laughs> His weapons, a super soaker and a joystick. His mission, save the world before dinner. 17-year-old Lance Elliott is a summer intern at The Agency. His fantasies of espionage and intrigue turn real when he's ordered to rush a package to L.A. A madman millionaire, computer virus designer, and his icy henchwoman want that package. It's key to their plot to destroy the environment. (laughs) Lance stays one step ahead of them, trying to avoid a visit to their video games of doom room. In quotation marks. It's action, comedy, and Corey Haim, the double O kid. Wow. Yeah. That tracks. That's kind of the closest the back has gotten to the actual movie, Brian. (laughs) I know. It's pretty pretty much what happens in this film. (laughs) As you can imagine, I did not find a lot of production notes on this movie. I found out that Duncan McLean was the director, but now Duncan McLean is D. McLean. So this was directed by a trans person, which is awesome, right? We got to give it props for that. 1992. Couldn't find any information about D. Oh, it's D. McClanahan. Sorry, 
D. McClanahan. She's still working, I think. She's still making movies. Yeah, yeah. But it, there wasn't anything I was too, too familiar with, which isn't doesn't mean it's bad. No, but, nothing, nothing I'd heard of. But I, but I know she's still going. Yeah, 2019, there was something called The Wheel. I'm not sure. Um, South African. So if anyone knows more information about Dee McClanahan, by all means, co-wrote it with a producer of a lot of films like this. And... Uh, like tax write-offs, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, his name's Stuart Paul, and I have some Stuart Paul picks for my rental thing, so I don't want to get into him too much, but yeah, he does a lot of this stuff. I'll put it that way. He's like a low-budget corpsman, if that even makes any sense. You know? <laughs> you know, there was just certain people in this era, you guys are both well-versed, probably more versed than I am, who were just like, let me just churn out these VHS movies and... And for low budgets. But you know what? This is a hell of a cast. There are a lot of names in this movie. I was surprised. Of course, we have Corey Haim as Lance Elliott, our lead here. Ethan Embry was originally cast to be in this film, but backed out for whatever reason. Couldn't find out why. (laughs) Good to know. But how about like the supporting cast here? Brigitte Nielsen is in this as Rhonda. I was surprised to see her. I don't know why I was, but... uh... I I mean, I was shocked to this entire cast is stacked, you know, like it's, it's crazy how, how many sort of seasoned character actors are in this. And Brigitte Nielsen looks like she wandered off the set of Rocky four all in her like majesty, like in this, right? Like she looks, it's amazing to see her. Yeah. And she definitely fits that like faux hacker aesthetic. Yeah. She's wearing like future gear. Looking <laughs> she's from the future. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wallace Shawn is Cashpot. If you told me that Wallace Shawn would be like the lead hacker in a movie, I would be like, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. But here he is in all his glory. My dinner with Andre. Uh, <laughs> of, of course, you know, uh, I guess slumbers will know him from being the teacher in Clueless. But he's been in a ton of stuff. Veteran actor there. How about Nicole Eggert? Melinda Blake, she plays. I and mean, she comes halfway through the movie. She's just some girl in California who ends up joining the team somehow one of the um, but, yeah he like kind of rudely just pulls her into his mess <laughs> i think that's it, that might be my favorite sequence in the movie but man i had a huge crush on on her from charles in charge oh yeah oh yeah for sure so she and Haim were dating for a few years right apparently that's the case that they were indeed in ida but she was engaged to him actually and they starred in a couple of movies together so both Corys famously got their girlfriends booked in things previously, so I'm not sure. I mean, she's a good actor in her own right. But uh, around this time, they did another movie, which we might have to cover, Mike, at some point called Blown Away. Yeah, that's got both Corys in it. It does it? Oh, I thought it just had him. That's great. Yeah, they're uh, both. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And oh, so we're definitely covering that one. And it's a teenage erotic thriller. <laughs> Sure is. <laughs> so they were in that together and they were in oh anything for love which if you guys look that up quickly it was supposed to be a fake sequel to just one of the guys called just one of the girls but it's not really a sequel and Corey Haim's in high school again and she's a they're both cheerleaders <laughs> whatever it's called just one of the girls isn't it it has a different name it was called that in some places, yes. So it was called that, I believe. It's like, yeah, U.S. television, it was called that. But I believe, like, if you want to find it now, it's called Anything for Love. I'm sure you can oh. find old copies that say it. Maybe they didn't get the rights to it, and they just 
bullshit it through. I'm not sure. So some people, yes, know it as just one of the girls. Some people know it as anything for love. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Again, we are in this era where both Corys are essentially doing these DVD movies. And I'm not going out on a limb or saying anything rude to say this, but essentially to feed their drug habit. Yeah. Uh, one thing you can't say is that these guys didn't know their lines, you know? That's true. That's true. On and off screen, they they knew their lines well. <laughs> yes, yes, I got it. <laughs> You'll see Seth Green in a lot of the um, cast listings. He's, his part was actually cut from the film. Oh, Okay. So I was looking for him and I couldn't find him. So I really did a deep dive because he was also cut from the Buffy movie. Um, he was cut from a lot of things, but he's in a lot of cool teenage shit too. Like Seth Green, who was a working child, we'll put it that way. He, he was right. in these films for a while. Um, but Seth Green did wrote a sketch for Robot Chicken based on the Corys. So someone hmm. just happened to interview him about it. And he talked about this movie and he was like, you know, Corey Haim was awesome. Like he was really great when he was on. But when he was off, he was just just like an asshole on set. Like, he'd have his drug days, and then he'd have his good days, you know? Maybe that contributes to this disjointed nature of the story. Maybe there were scenes that were cut because they couldn't film with him. I don't know. But at this point, we are at the juncture in his career where drugs are a significant factor in his work. He's not getting main Hollywood roles because of it. It's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. He went through a lot. But... Hey, he's still working, and we're getting some interesting products from it. So I don't know. I don't know. I, that feels exploitative, what I just said, but I have to mention it because mm-hmm. it was the only scholarship I could find on this film, essentially. Yeah. Well, I was wondering about Seth Green because I saw his name in the closing credits, but I didn't remember seeing him. I thought maybe he was the younger brother. Well, that makes more sense that he wasn't in it. I thought he was the younger brother, but then when I did that dive, it seems like there was a scene that they cut that he was. He was a friend of Corey Hames who drove him to work, and it was just like a lot of exposition. Like, so you took this summer job? Are you going to go back to school next year? And he's like, No, I want to, you know, be a spy. Blah blah blah. Like that was the conversation. Um, and that would have been helpful because it, <laughs> it was real weird that he like leaves his house and you think he's going to school, and then he goes to an office instead. <laughs> yeah, that to be a summer internship for a secret spy agency. Yes, yeah. very confusing. I was like, oh no, is this not a teen movie? Like, did are we watching this by accident? But nope. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick up that it was like a summer internship. I was like, I guess he just like dropped out to be an intern. <laughs> but that, yeah, that scene would have helped a lot. I guess the director <laughs> felt like it wasn't important. Say, so, yeah, let's cut this Seth Green kid. He's not going to amount to anything. Yeah. Was he like, was this around the time of like Airborne and the Wiley Man kind of stuff? Because we'd seen him before, Brian, right? He's Chucky from Can't Buy Me Love. He was- oh, he's uh, he's in a ton of stuff at that time. Airborne, I think, comes. That's a little later. A little later, yeah. I forgot the year, but. Do you have like a studio name that put this out by any chance? Just. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that. By the way, Mike, we saw him in, uh, I think, we, wasn't he in Pump Up the Volume, or was he cut from that as oh, well? Oh, yeah, he has, he's in a shot or two of that as well. It's weird yeah. that he was supposed to be in the Buffy movie, because he's on the show, so that's really weird. Yeah, it is weird. Oh, yeah, we saw him in uh, Can't Buy Me Love as well. Crazy. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff at that time. But Airborne, yeah, Airborne is 93, this is 92, so a little after, but kind of around the same era. He's doing a lot of shit. He must have, like, a showbiz parent or something. <laughs> so you asked for the studio for this. Let me check that. Hold on. Oh, Prism Pictures. Oh, Prism. Oh, 
that's the distributor so i don't know okay it seems like some of the thing like something like you would buy at like a film market like where you know the movie's made and then it's being sold and then like a bunch of distributors walk around and pick out what they want to buy that year or something interesting i've seen i have a bunch of movies like vhs specifically released by prism gotcha. yeah i think prism was a vhs distributor gotcha gotcha what was john reese davies doing at this time sliders like this is like a cameo for him he, he's like he's treated almost as like one of the biggest names in this movie as in and out as he is. I love John Reese davies I, I wanted to bring him up next. I mean, just Sala from the Indiana Jones films and uh, Gimli, obviously, and a bunch of other cool stuff. But something I, I'm going to talk about a little bit later is a funny thing they do here. So obviously the 00 kid, it's an allusion to 007 James Bond. I didn't need to explain that. And he's in uh, The Living Daylights, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I feel like they had to put like a Bond actor in here. And I was so disappointed that he died so soon because I'm like, oh, yes, I love John Reese davies And it's just like, nope, <laughs> nope. I heard that Brigitte Nielsen was never a, a heavy in a Bond movie or something that like like a Grace Jones type or something. Oh, yeah, I could see that, too. Right. Yeah, I don't think she was. Right. I don't think so. Yeah, his his appearance, character, and exit is like some of the most confusing stuff because he comes <laughs> off like the plot, and I don't understand it from the jump, and so then I'm just kind of lost like the rest of the movie. I know there's a key, a card key is the MacGuffin. I don't understand why they want it. The plane leaves in two days. That's a tough schedule. The fee's a little light, but uh, it'll be a nice challenge, so I accept. You're a great sportsman, you know. <laughs> but enough business. Let me show you something I've been toying with recently. Uh, may I leave this here? Of course. It's... We'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> this is my fun room. <laughs> and you see, all these games are linked up to my central computer. is a wonderful one. You just get in there next to Ursula. This is gonna kill you. <laughs> it is great. Ah, all right. Isn't this fun? Absolutely. <laughs> How does it work? Well, put on your seatbelt. Yeah. I'm gonna put a quarter in here. Fun? 
kind of game is this? <laughs> Brakes don't work. It's not a game. Why are you doing this to me? Well, nothing personal. It's just uh, good business. Have a nice trip, Rudy. Nope. Yeah, Not his, very clear. His death is real weird. <laughs> the whole, like, arcade room. I love the idea, but they, they didn't know how to execute it, really. Because <laughs> he's playing a game, and then what happens in the game happens for real. <laughs> yeah, it would be like... like virtual reality if this was made today you know i think that's what they were trying to get at maybe like the holograms are real or something yeah but it was weird like but they're trying to i guess explain it with like there's nothing supernatural because the video <laughs> games are basically doing like what freddy krueger does yeah it's like yeah. they're hurt if you're hurt in the game you're hurt in real life but that's not like real technology <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he's driving a car and he like crashes the car and then his he like his head's all bloody and then he eventually kills himself in the car because there's no brakes. The car actually breaks though in real life. It's like oh, I don't oh yeah, know. that's what's crazy too is the car gets a huge dent in it when it hits a pole. Yeah, like and then it you, flips over. If you have access to this kind of black magic, what do you need to hack anything for with a key card? Or you should be able to just crash a plane at will, I think, is what they're trying to do. Yeah. So when Corey plays later, he's playing uh, Doom Tomb. Like, all these all these traps are coming down, and he, like, avoids them somehow, but it's at least they're, like, there in reality. And it was a little more coherent. Yeah, yeah. But this room, like, again, you could have such potential for something, like, really cool looking here. And it was like the most boring funhouse room ever. Like this is oh, like yeah. a like a low budget kind of place you might like go with your divorced father or something, you know. It's a penny arcade museum. Like I remember being a little kid going to Disney World for the first time and it's like, oh look, an arcade. And it was like this. It was like, you know, all penny things from like the twenties and thirties and, and stuff. And very boring, like out of date things, you know? And like I feel like that's this room. Like they want it to be like a cool arcade or whatever but like there's no street fighter 2 like where's the simpsons game like you know there's none of that stuff well give me lasers in the background give me like a cool looking room right like not i don't know it's just I don't yeah know. <laughs> accentuate the neon <laughs> always a good choice always always a good a choice, good choice. <laughs> anyone else on the cast stuck out to you or? well i love karen black yeah. who also just shows up and then is gone oh yeah that was another weird thing where we like meet his family and it really seems like they're going to be involved. But then he goes to LA and he's supposed to come back that night, but he doesn't. And there's <laughs> no, we don't like cut back to his family, like concerned <laughs> about where he is. <laughs> there's one line about it, but we never see them again. Yeah. They said the guy mentions his mother and I forgot it was Karen Black and I thought it was the lady running the agency, you know? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Straight, you know? It's like, wait, who's his mom again? Is that just a cover? It also, okay, you guys got to help me out. Did this happen? So movie starts and I'm like, all right, this is actually shot around the corner from License to Drive where that was made, basically. Like, and then he gets a plane ticket to LA so like that kind of broke my brain because he flew from LA to LA basically like 
No, he's from yeah. Philly, Mike. They, he says well, that a couple times. He's like, I'm from okay. Philly. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, you know, they didn't even try. Like, nah, nah. it really hurt my head for him. But it took me a while out of the, the whole situation because I wasn't sure what I was, you know, the, the, what they were saying and what I was thinking wasn't sinking up enough, you know? Like, it, it just was hurting. Yeah, I felt that a little bit, too, because they definitely don't establish that he's in Philadelphia before <laughs> no. he leaves. Stock yeah. uh, footage of the Liberty Bell, please, something like that. Yeah, so we find out later. So, yeah, I felt the same when he flies to L.A. I was like, but where is he? How long is that flight? I have no idea because I don't know where he's coming from. And they don't show anything with the flight, right? He just, like, is in the taxi kind of, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air style. Totally, yeah. <laughs> you're just there and it's like oh okay yeah so i'm with you there um i want to mention in the cast this guy basil hoffman who plays trout Mm -hmm. if you're still alive man are you wow 83 so if you have access to a podcast i want to apologize ahead of time ah i don't know who i want to blame for this but (laughs) some of it some of his line delivery was just like oh my god this is happening like do you know that the camera's on you (laughs) <laughs> it was rough. See, Corey Haim is, even on his worst days, feels very Corey Haim, like very naturally Corey Haim, and I'm like okay with it. Some of these side characters are, I don't know. I, again, I don't know the tone <laughs> that they were trying to set with the agency here. This Trout character seemed to be dressed like like a Dick Tracy-era person. Not a very good disguise if you're in the CIA or whatever. And what a, what a colossal screw-up, right? And... That's how you rectify it? Whatever. He didn't send this document in. Anyone who's worked in a business has made that mistake. But he decides to send a kid who he doesn't like. He makes it very clear he doesn't like. He puts a kid on an airplane to deliver whatever this is. And what is it, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) Do we ever find out? I don't think so. (laughs) But but Brian, like this, you got to understand, like this internship is for a secret agency and his big break to show that he's got like the metal to to be a spy what i found to be really hysterical is that uh, he goes to like drop off this package and the guy he doesn't he can't pick up that the guy's being held up and the dude's trying to like slip him signals and clues and all this shit and like Corey haim can't smell it right in front of his nose like he's a terrible spy like he is he does not deserve to be in the field. He cannot pick up that this well, guy. he's a kid. <laughs> that doesn't matter. He's a kid spy. Like, this is his training. And he's, I don't know. I just, I love He's that. an intern, though. He's an intern. He wasn't even supposed to be a spy. He wasn't even blowing one of the best it. interns. He's blowing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was uninformed. I mean, the <laughs> Trout didn't tell him, like, this is a sketchy package. Because maybe it wasn't. I mean, it seems like it was just a regular package, and then he did kind of stumble into something sketchy. Yeah, that's what I took from it, that it just, he had, like, wrong place, wrong time sort of thing. But uh, as we learned from the voiceovers, he takes everything as, like, a a spy mission. But yeah, that's true. So he he should have been in that mindset, because he seems to always be in that mindset. Yeah, he wakes up like that in that amazing scene where he wakes up <laughs> yeah. in the morning and, and like his brother's trying to shoot him with the water pistol and everything. And, you know, like it showed me that he's hyper acute and aware of everything and he treats every situation as dangerous. And then he just sort of like waltzes into this office. That's true. It's, it's a bad time <laughs> to suddenly turn that off. 
I don't know. I think you're giving him way too much credit. We're seeing it through his <laughs> point of view. You know, when he's in his Philadelphia neighborhood with the palm trees, he's sneaking around and it's against his brother and his mom who it's not, this is, this is the real world once he gets into LA. Real spies, right? <laughs> you know, they're dressed as a priest and a nun and he thinks they're trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> we didn't mention the guy, the other henchman who's a cross between Clint Eastwood and Jack Nicholson impersonator extraordinaire. But I don't know if you picked up on him. He was pretty terrific. Yeah, I didn't get his name. That's why I couldn't find who he was. There was two henchmen with Bridget Nielsen. Well, there's the limo driver, right? The, the limo driver who might be a rapist. And yeah. there, <laughs> there's uh, just, yeah, the skeevy dude you're talking about, Mike. But again, I didn't get their name, so I don't know the actors who played them. Anyone out there who's a fan of this film and wants to give them credit, let me know. <laughs> yeah, but they were they were interesting. There was an interesting little, like group that they had formed here that's all i gotta say about them (laughs) but how about how about this opening the graphics are really cool oh these are the best opening credits i've ever seen (laughs) pretty phenomenal like got me in the spirit of you know what what was to come for sure yeah so so good (laughs) (laughs) as like kind of sort of i don't know i don't want to say like unprofessional or whatever but like this seems to be like the limit at the time you know you got to remember like what what year we're dealing with sure there's t2 going on in hollywood but at the home video market so they just hired like one guy to probably do all of the cgi in this which is mainly title work but like uh-huh. it was more than i was expecting i was actually into the sort of 3do atari jaguar kind of when when he starts playing the games and everything uh, look of it all. Yeah, I loved it. I love this era of computer graphics. For the credits, especially just the chess piece that turns into Corey Haim. <laughs> so there's like a, I don't remember what what the chess piece is originally, but it like morphs into a chess piece with a backwards baseball cap yeah. as Corey Haim's name comes on screen. <laughs> and then like Brigitte, Brigitte Nielsen, it like She's like a queen and it kind of stretches her out in like a weird, tough way or whatever it's doing. Like, I just loved it. I love the idea that it's chess and and I have some comments on that later when we get to the ending, but... Oh, and then my favorite part of any game of chess, when the helicopter swoops in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, it was all sort of like foreshadowing, like most of the film, I guess, and then the end battle where they do the chess hacking in like fourth dimensional chess or whatever they're playing there but uh shout out to john harding brian well mike i have a john harding quote for later don't worry i did consult my chess consultant on the chess plate in this film so we <laughs> i have a good quote for that just in regard to the chess though my theory really is that you know they probably knew a guy who did computer shit in hollywood or wherever they're working and he's like what can you do i'm doing a movie with games and stuff and and cool stuff. He's like, oh, I got a chess program I'm kind of designing. Okay, let's work that in, you know? Mm-hmm. I could do a helicopter. Cool. Let's do that, too. The helicopter's in the script. 
it's at the end. They they were able to land yeah, that. Mike, 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 I'm well aware. I just don't think <laughs> I don't think the script was developed before this sequence. So you're saying he turned in these titles and they were like, ooh, let's write a helicopter into the movie now. Absolutely. No, not just the titles. I said, what can you do? I have an idea for a movie. What can you do? Great. We, we can do a helicopter. We can add chess to this somehow. I, I think a lot of things were done that way, especially with scripts like this. You know, I, I don't think the helicopter was super essential. You know, well, it was anything essential. I don't know. <laughs> this was right when Video Toaster premiered, which was an editing program that kind of did different transitions and was like a very early prototype for like, you know, Final Cut or Premiere. Interesting. I used it briefly in high school, but you can watch like promos for Video Toaster and they're amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just all footage like this with these amazing like, computer graphic transitions and text <laughs> titles and stuff. I bet they made it with that. Yeah, it also, it also reminds me of the, we used to rent these tapes in high school on the weekends when we would like drink in the basement or whatever and watch and they'd just be whatever computer graphics sort of test footage was available at the time compiled onto like a VHS tape, you know? <laughs> it was called like Into the Mind's Eye or whatever and you just yeah. and watch these things on a Friday night and just get your mind blown i guess that's <laughs> you know, awesome <laughs> it reminded me of like i remember just getting early pcs and they would come with these like demo demo floppy disks or demo cds eventually that would have just like demos of like 100 games and often it was just a video of theoretically what the game was like but you know once you got into the game it was more just you know like what the original chess master was like just a board right yeah. well, but a lot of times they would have a cool movie at the beginning. And as a kid, I would be so tricked like, oh, that's what the chess looks like. Nope. Yeah, all that full motion video was, this is around that time too, with like Night Trap and those games and, and everything. And you'd be like, oh, sweet. Like you get to play like real people. It's like, no, you're just sitting there watching like most of this. This just like a movie really. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about early on in this film is one of my favorite subplots in films of this era or any era really. When the main goal of the bad guy is to destroy the rainforest. Oh, <laughs> chef's kiss. Love it. You know, just like I think of Fern Gully, but I think of all like just, again, early 90s. The dirtiest thing you can do, quite literally, was pollute and destroy the rainforest. The The Iron Curtain had fallen. We, we needed a new bad guy. And that bad guy was big oil and... People <laughs> killed things, you know, like the environment. It's just, it's sensational. It's sensational. I was raised on that propaganda. Like, you know, I remember my sixth grade homeroom teacher was the science teacher. So every morning we, you know, before class, we were learning about recycling and, and the ozone layer and the hole in the ozone layer and, you know, the rainforest and everything. And, and all that kind of stuff was drilled into us at the time. And, you know, that was 1990, 91, maybe. So, yeah, I mean, the 90s were definitely all about, you know, that kind of awareness coming up and about very, very much more predominantly. Even in Hackers. In Hackers, the bad guys, bad guys' plan is to dump oil tankers into the ocean. That's the Da Vinci virus? Isn't this like the Michelangelo virus or something? It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what crazy-ass Hackers connections here. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> there must be some kind of real life virus around the time that was similarly named because for these two movies to do that, I don't know, it just feels weird, right? But yeah, just to 
put a little touchstone on the rainforest thing. I am not, and I don't think anyone here is anti-rainforest. To be clear, I'm I'm just laughing that it's a use in these <laughs> films. Well, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it would be really used well or as best it can in big budget Hollywood. At the, you know, we would even get stuff like Volcano or whatever. Those would be in big environmental message movies and that kind of stuff to this day. And, and it's just so cute in here how it's like, you know, we need the evil plan. All right, let's blow up a plane <laughs> with a bunch of environmentalists on it. That way, like, no one can stop us. It's like, all right, I guess. They'll never figure out how to solve the rain. Uh, how to save the rainforest. No, you were right. How to solve the rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. But they'll never figure it out with these people gone, right? So, I don't know. This is a hard... We can't talk about this movie linearly. It's almost impossible. Um, so I just I just wrote some like notes, and I'll just ask for your reaction, almost press conference style. Did you get that, uh, or did you hear that theme song they play a couple times in this film? It's like, I could not find it existing in the universe so i'm very curious if they made it just for the film it, it, it was called Li- living on the western side they played it i believe three times in this and it's a cool cool movie did you guys catch that one at all uh, i don't know if i caught it i mean i caught the like just different enough bond theme to not get sued. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's, like, that's like some psycho reanimator type shit like i have no idea how they got away with that that's really cool yeah yeah like just the exact amount of notes that we're not quite there <laughs> to like not have a lawsuit. Yeah, I was very distracted by that. I didn't have to see the other music. Yeah, how did they get away with that and Vanilla Ice doesn't? And speaking of Vanilla Ice, Corey's hair, I mean, he's fashioned after Vanilla Ice in this, right? Like, I think he's just later. fashioned after himself. I think he just showed up to set and that, that's how he was really looking at it. No, I think they were like, give him a little more Robbie Van Winkle, shave the sides of that head. Don't just bleach it. No, I think his hair was like that. Okay. Maybe, maybe pre, I mean, maybe he modeled himself after ice, but I think this was pre-ice. He started doing his hair like that. Yeah. And even if you look at like towards the end of his life, he was still kind of rocking his hair in a similar way. And not, I mean, not like he ended up cutting it, but there are like later photos of him with that side shave and the blonde tips and stuff. It yeah. was just... He, how he liked to rock his hair. Oh, again, from what I read in like Seth Green's uh, interview as well, and some other stuff I've read in just the general era, he was kind of hard to control at this point, right? But you bring up his look, Mike. There's a couple random wardrobe changes in this film that are unexplained too. Like when he gets in the suit and stuff, right? Like when they go to the zoo, yeah. Yeah, when they go to the zoo. <laughs> and, and other times too, like suddenly he'll just be in different clothes. So I don't know. I yeah, really that it. was the one I noticed where it felt like there was a scene missing where she's on her roller skates and has a whole outfit and then it just cuts and they're at the zoo and they're wearing like big outfits. <laughs> like they have, <laughs> have had a major wardrobe change. Yeah. Wearing that purple suit. It looks amazing. It's really. <laughs> they're in like a swing band, right? Like they're in the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it, like they're extras in the mask or something, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> It's insane. Or like undercover secret agents. Yes. With a a loud purple suit. (laughs) Incognito, exactly. Yeah. So we already talked about the scene briefly, and I don't think there's much else to talk about. Just when he shows up and he doesn't know, and he he gets in the hijinks of this whole secret hacker battle here. But I just wrote in my notes just to ask about when he's hiding, so he just makes out with a random woman on the street. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? This is, he's supposed to be a kid. <laughs> and she's just like, call me. 
<laughs> or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Loved that. Loved that. Let's see. Oh, but what I really wanted to get into, because Mike, you and I are recording another episode this week, Prayer of the Roller Boys. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to bring that up as he gets chased by rollerbladers, not for the first time. <laughs> What is this? Okay, I guess it's the early '90s. You have to put it in movies. It's the law or something. But yep. yeah, they, they would just send rollerblades to boys in the suburbs in 1992. Like you didn't even need to ask for them. They just like showed up in the mail one. <laughs> I'm joking. Like I had a pair for sure. I mean, I used to like jump. I was actually kind of good at one point. I was like jumping fences. And- wow. Well, he was very sporty, and I because I watched Corey Haim, me myself, and I, and he liked to play every sport. Which is, do you know about, it's like a video that he made about himself to kind of show Hollywood that he was off drugs, even though he wasn't. Oh, Um, cool. I got to check that out. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. It's more boring than you would expect. Uh, But he... Oh, shit. We got to cover this, Mike. He does a lot of sports and stuff. Like, the first 10 minutes is just him playing, like, tennis and hockey and baseball, I think. He's just, like, going through all of them. And then there's... He definitely plays uh, like street hockey. So he's on inline skates. So I think that was a real skill that he had like on his, in his skill set was rollerblading. So that's how it showed up in these movies. And he's Canadian. So they all know. Oh, that's that's true. He, that's true. They are skaters. That's huh. why he plays hockey and skates. Yeah. What else that brought the skate skills was Nicole Egger because she is definitely doing some of her own work in this. Not all of it maybe, but some of it yeah she's on skates which was also cool maybe it's something they like to do together i don't know (laughs) they went rollerblading together in the park and that's how they met maybe but this is my favorite sequence i think like this actually feels like pretty pretty professional and fun and and like you know a higher sort of caliber maybe than everything else i don't i don't know exactly how to how to put it but like i was watching this going like yeah this is pretty good action really intense like fun sequence yeah, it's a good chase scene. And then he does the, he like turns his super soaker into a flamethrower. So that's a cool spy trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more about how like you got the rollerblades, but the shopping cart and he's in the shopping cart and she's on the skates and it's all this like high speed wheel action kind of stuff. But you're right. Mm-hmm. He, turns, he turns the super soaker into a flamethrower and it doesn't melt right in his hands or anything. <laughs> <laughs> the shopping cart was weird because first he jumps on a woman's car and it's just like drive me around while I'm on top of your car and then she, her car gets damaged and he eventually just falls off and then she's never seen from again and he just like kind of <laughs> used, <laughs> used this woman and then he jumps in Nicole Eggert's shopping cart and like her groceries get ruined but he actually ends up like paying for the groceries <laughs> and apologizing and she is into it but yeah, just twice in a row, he just kind of like pulls these women in to help him when they're not <laughs> consenting to it. But, <laughs> but the second one, you know, she was ready for adventure. She was. They have good chemistry, I guess, because, you know, they, they're oh, a yeah. real thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And she's great. Honestly, like she is. I don't know. I don't want to comment on their personal life. I don't know enough. But I mean, you get to work with your boyfriend. I guess that's cool. Her character doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And she wants half the money. I like that, right? Where are we? Downtown somewhere. So I appreciate your help. I gotta get out of here. Hey, wait a minute. You know, I think you are forgetting something here. Right. Sorry. And the groceries, huh? Here. 
way. Hey, wait a minute. You know, we haven't even introduced ourselves. Elliot. Lance. Elliot. I'm Melinda Blake. It's a pleasure. Hey. You know, you almost got us killed. Yeah, but I didn't. You're fine and I'm fine. Yeah, well, thanks to me, because I saved us. You know, that little stunt you pulled. I could sue you. Or have you arrested, you know that? The um, reckless behavior, disturbing the peace, damage to private property. Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. What do you want? Half. Half? I can't do that. Oh, no, you mean you don't want to do no, it? No, no, I mean, I can't do that because it's not mine. Well, if it's not yours, then why'd you just give me $300? Oh, I get it. You stole this money, and that's why those guys were chasing you. It's not as bad as it seems. I don't have time for this. I have to go. Can I have my money, please? No, I want to know what's going on. Oh, Wait, yeah. <laughs> she works at, like, the Burger Mart from uh, American Graffiti. You know, she works at a Sonic or whatever. And then, like, she he gets bumped. Like, we don't, really don't learn oh, anything. Oh, that was her? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that. that. <laughs> sort of come into play. Like, she's on skates at work. She's on skates at, like, that's the most you know about her character is that she loves roller skates. Like, this, you know, this is where uh, Heather Graham got her inspiration, I guess, for... Another Corey connection there. License to drive, Heather Graham. <laughs> Gotta take our shot. <laughs> the rollerblading in the movie, happy to see it. Mike, when you did, uh, what was the Cage Club rewatch is called? Revisited? Yeah. So when you did Cage Club Revisited, you would play like a bingo game, right? Yeah. Uh, you and I need to think of what we should do for like... Not that we would do the revisited of this kind of stuff, but theoretically, if there was a Corey game, what would be like the bingo pieces? Because I think rollerblading has to be on the bingo board. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I bet you'll see it again. Oh, yeah. for sure. Colored hair, like some kind of dyed hair job, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> Michael Jackson dancing. Or just lots of dancing in general, I feel. So the next thing I have in my weirdo notes that make no sense is the whole zoo sequence that we spoke about. We already spoke about the outfits, but I love, again, how they're in L.A. We get some, like, establishing L.A. shots, but how many movies have been filmed in L.A.? Come on. Like, you know, probably a million. I don't know. But how many have gone to the L.A. zoo <laughs> to shoot? Austin, you're from California. Does L.A. have a big zoo like that? Is that a zoo in L.A.? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, no, I I believe L.A. has a zoo, but like the most well-known zoo, in, at least in Southern California, is in San Diego. That's the like big zoo. And L.A., I mean, I just assume they have one. I've never been. I don't know where it is. But like nobody goes to like, hey, that's what I'm going to do here. We're going to go to the zoo. Regardless. No, it's, it's not a tourist attraction. And it's weird, too, because like you recognize most of the locations. They're everywhere but Vasquez rocks in this movie. You know, it's like, oh, I know that bridge. I know that street. Like, I know that. You know, like, oh, look, like the stars, Hollywood Boulevard. Like they're everywhere you go when you're shooting in L.A. They're in the Viper Room. They're on the L.A. River. Yeah, they're in that hotel where he's hanging out the window at that hotel. That's like the famous hotel. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then they're here and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're really showing that you're like, oh, I guess he had to meet the dude at the zoo because that's what they said. Whatever. And then that he ends up being dead. Someone killed him around, around kids in the family, whatever. But 
We get some great zoo sequences here. We get a great zoo chase. And we get alligators. <laughs> Lance! Alligators! Yeah, there's a good scene where one of the henchmen gets bitten by an alligator. Yeah, alligator gets punched in the head. There's a good alligator <laughs> battle. <laughs> his boss shows up, right? This is where Trout shows up, and this yeah. is—I thought he is he a double agent. Is I thought so. A bad guy. I didn't understand. I don't know why his motivations were at any point. Just co- <laughs> covering up the f- uh, fact that he forgot to mail something. I, yeah, I think you somehow he had to go to L.A. to cover up that he forgot to mail something. Because she's saying, uh, sorry, the boss, Lomax. Oh, you mean Anne Francis? Who is, <laughs> like, is that the I, same Hollywood, like, legend Anne Francis? That, like, yeah, yeah, she's like a 50s star, right? Yeah. Again, with the cast, it's just, like, deeper than necessary. Yeah, she was on a show called Honey West. Um, she was in the film Forbidden Planet, like real old school Hollywood. She has a very famous right. look to her. Like, you know, she's old, like when one of her Wikipedia facts is that Francis was a Democrat and supported Adlai Stevenson during his 1952 presidential <laughs> election. <laughs> Voted number 18 on the of the 50 sexiest stars of all time by TV Guide in 2005. So fact there. Uh, so... Yeah, she was in uh, the movie. She was the boss. <laughs> <laughs> she was Maggie Lomax. Like the and, Nicole Eggert of her day, you could say. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was giving directions to Trout that really were not what he was doing. So that's why I thought he might be a double agent. But it turns out he was just incompetent. That was fun. Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on with it. I'm not sure either. But honestly, <laughs> even though I didn't know what was going on, I wasn't like bored or hating what I was watching, it's short enough that it wasn't like terribly torturous for me or anything like that. It was just yeah. wa- wacky as fuck. And then the next wacky, <laughs> the next wacky thing I wrote down is uh, when they get the darts in them. It's like so bad. <laughs> oh yeah. They just suddenly have darts on their neck. This movie has like the charm, right? Like it's not, you know, it doesn't. It might not have the production value, but. No. It- it's making do in the best with what it's got. Like maybe they should have dropped one or two of these quote unquote stars and like used it to beef up the production a bit. But like the fact that like Wallace Shawn is here, the fact that Brigitte Nielsen's chasing Corey Haim is like so much fun. Like it's so, I never would have imagined that these guys would have been in a movie together. I really don't care about the quality of it. And I, <laughs> I especially don't care that I can't follow it. I mean, this isn't, this is probably, you know, made for children who have even shorter attention spans than, you know, I do today and all this kind of thing. Like, so for what it is, like, I, uh, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. And I also want to say that I have never seen a James Bond movie where I understood what was happening. That's a really good call. That's a really <laughs> yes. good call. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I can't argue with that. You know, some of the older James Bond movies I've seen, feel like this actually like yes, downright incoherent crap <laughs> yeah but they're like 
45 minutes longer. <laughs> fair. fair. <laughs> Somehow we wound up in like the evil lair and the typical kind of Bond-esque thing where Wallace Shawn is sharing the entire plan with them. Oblivion, man, is the cancer of the globe. <laughs> and you're worried about a few thousand people dying in plane crashes. Well, personally, I don't give a shit. Man, you need some serious help. All right. That does it. I mean, he doesn't kill them right away. He's got to put them in the game room and, uh, you know. Well, one, he puts uh, Corey Haim in the game room and just locks Nicole Eggert up in, like, a closet or whatever. And that's where, like, there was this brief scary moment where that one henchman comes in where he's like, oh, ah. good, th good thing they're distracted because we could have some fun or something along those lines. I'm like, oh, my God. Thank God, yeah. it, like, she escaped. Because I'm like, if there's a rape scene here, I'm like, this is, like, the worst right now. Do not do that. But no. Real necessary aside for this kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, whoa. Did not need that at all. <laughs> I almost couldn't believe it. Um, but luckily, she escapes, though. Corey is in that game. Uh, Austin, you said the game before, the name of it. Uh, oh, Doom Tomb. The Doom Tomb, yes. <laughs> yeah. He has to escape yeah, some <laughs> Egyptian kind of game thing. And in this one, as you said, there's like knives coming from the ceiling and stuff like that. Yeah, and then the like poison gas or whatever. Yeah, like it's a booby trap thing. Like that I can get behind. Like that makes mm -hmm. sense to me. Like it would be kind of cool like if he was playing a game and then like the shackles like go around his wrist so he can't move or something. And then yeah, the gas coming from the system makes sense. But that whole other thing with the car in the beginning was just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it relied on, on black magic. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Well, I liked the gas thing because I was getting to the point where it's like, why is he creating these things? Like, is there a way out? Can you win the game? And in this one, no, it was just an elaborate way to kill him. I'm sure he just watches the video later because he's a fucked up person or something. But we get a little girl power moment because Nicole yeah. Eggert is the one who saves him, which is, I was like, woohoo. That's true. So I'm just remembering something amazing about this movie is that they're not just trying to like crash this plane filled with like science dudes from the environmental committee. Or whatever. They're diverting it to the Bermuda Triangle. Yes, yes. Which seems like a extra step that you don't really <laughs> take if you're in control of a plane, like in the first place. As if people are going to be like, oh, well, it's the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, so that's what did it. Look, when I was a kid, when someone first told me about the Bermuda Triangle, I was like, what? This is real? What's going on there, like, you know? Established as like uh, like a real phenomenon in this world. Like there's the Bermuda, like Sasquatch is walking around. Or, you know, you got Nessie, like in her place. And like, is it that type of universe? Like it was so confusing. Well, like, I think it, again, and we'll get to this question, but it depends who it was made for, right? I think if you're a kid and something with the allure of the Bermuda Triangle, makes a little bit more sense, but not everything is yeah. necessarily kid-friendly in here, so I don't know. Yeah, you don't want them to be like, we'll crash it into a building, or... <laughs> I'm not gonna say which one, but it's obvious. God. <laughs> oh, man. So... What, are, what if this movie predicted 9-11? <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. We end up getting to this, which I, at this point, 
I was trying to watch diligently. I was trying to take notes. I was really trying to focus. But once they're here, I'm kind of a I'm just I just given up at this point and just enjoying the ride, essentially. Mm. Just the escape and kind of the chess hacking sequence. Right. It's just phenomenal and weird and I don't understand how it's working or not. Because it continues once they've kind of de-hacked everything or whatever, it continues to mimic their real life as we saw in the beginning. It's very, very interesting. So, Mike, you alluded to uh, High School Slumber Party's chess expert here, a chess teacher himself, John Harden, who's been on and really you know, taught us some cool chess moves and stuff. I sent him the link today. I'm like, I need your comment on the chess in this film, the soundness of it. He'd never heard of the film. I didn't give him any context. And usually when I'll do this, he'll write me like a nice long paragraph like, oh, the move is a little amateurish or wow, they seem to have real good chess experts here. And with like the Queen's Gambit coming out uh, over uh, quarantine and stuff, there's like been a renewed interest in chess and even chess films that are being made. So I was just curious if there was any kind of method to the madness here in the chess. So I'm going to read his comment out loud. Okay, here goes. This is a travesty. The board is set up all wrong. Uh, supposed to be a light square on the bottom right corner, so instead the colors are completely backwards, and the dialogue makes no sense with the exact moves that they're making. <laughs> so, I love this, it. <laughs> this does not get the seal of approval from the chess master. Apologies, chess fans out there. <laughs> Basically, like, made-up chess from Star Trek makes more sense than what the hell's going on here. And did, did you guys catch on what it exactly was doing in the chess? It's like a virus volley, right? Yeah, like, that's the impression I got. Was but like, like, whoever was in the lead could put the virus on the other person. But like, what does it matter if it's on Corey because he's still in Cash Pot's compound, so it's still his system. You know where I'm getting at? Like, Cash Pot is <laughs> Wallace Shawn. <laughs> little hacking room with all these cool like outdated typewriters and stuff that are hooked up to monitors and everything you see the plane going on and then suddenly like the chess appears and and he's typing back the moves and it's back and forth but he's only playing with like another one of his own computers so i was doubly confused as to like what is happening at all yeah yeah i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it looked fun just trying to get it out. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Who was a better lead hacker? Uh, Wallace Shawn or Fisher Stevens and hackers? Fisher Stevens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you say that, you know, Lance kind of looks like Crash Override a little bit with the blonde hair Ooh. and everything. Like, Ooh. they got a little of that hacker. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Could you imagine Corey Haim was the lead of hackers? Like... Instead of uh, what's his name, uh, Johnny, Johnny Lee Miller. Miller. <laughs> Johnny Lee that Miller. That is good. <laughs> I think that would work. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, Hackers uh, took a lot from this movie. Is definitely that other kid in the group in Hackers. Like that's the energy, right? The one that gets busted and smokes all the cigarettes. Oh yeah, Jesse Bradford's character. Jesse Bradford, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is Brigitte Nielsen Lorraine Bracco? Is that the comparison? Because oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and then I guess the guy, Luther, would be Penn Jillette. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Let's see. Anything else in my notes? Oh, yeah. Then 
he starts making out with Nicole Eggert and the dude starts just watching them on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had like the helicopter get away for a minute and then they okay. out of yes. the mountain, I think. Yes, true. True, because they end up controlling the helicopters uh, by accident, right? Like they kind of accidentally control the helicopter and crash into a mountain. No, but well, they didn't accidentally crash it. They accidentally like gain control of mm. it. They didn't land it though. They were like, all right, we have control of it. You know, they're doomed. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Did they land? They die, right? They die. I'm pretty sure they die, okay. right? Yeah, it's implied. I mean, I know it's not shown. No, no. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but this movie opens. This caught me off guard. Like the opening scene, there are some henchmen or some people like going through some facility and they like shoot people in the head. Yes. <laughs> they're like fake, fake janitors and they're picking up something important, which again, I. Yeah. You reminded me of that, made me. Fr- I had not remembered that till now. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. What if, like, Seth Green got cut out because he cursed? Like, maybe they had to cut this down to more... Oh, like, no. There are so many shits in this movie. Well, maybe he got the f <laughs> Maybe he... Yeah, maybe he got an F in there. <laughs> but they say shit a lot. They do. They do. Yeah. Because there's a lot of bad boy Corey Haim elements in here. So this is not Lucas running around being a spy, right? Like, this, he's, like a, <laughs> he's like a bad boy. So it's not exactly... A kid's movie. I guess before we ask that question, was there anything else in the double O kid that you wanted to mention? Uh, there's a fight scene where he squirts mustard in someone's eyes. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that was cool. Um, they wrote a limo into the movie because they had one, I guess. They were able to get one for a day. Um. <laughs> yeah, they have yeah. a cool little limo moment. That's cool. Very nice. Oh, oh um, he sends a fax at one point in the movie. So I thought that was, you know, someone sends a fax. Yeah, he like hacks a payphone to send a fax. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing that they couldn't fax whatever that was to LA from Philadelphia. Mm. Because it was a card, right? No, it was some kind of report for like the Environmental Protection Agency or something like that, I think. Yeah, Um, he was just sending like a message to Trout saying like, hey, the guy I delivered the package to is in trouble. And right. then Trout is like, this kid, like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, wow. it, it's more unclear stuff. <laughs> so another thing that like, I caught it because I was like looking for it, but it's, you almost don't catch it. But when he introduces himself to Nicole Egger, he does introduce himself as Elliot, Lance Elliot. <laughs> yes yes but the name is like so clunky and dissimilar from bond <laughs> that like it doesn't work <laughs> yeah yeah it really doesn't <laughs> it works because it's just like two single syllable names james bond like lance lance elliot like yeah the elliot like really fucks it up they look happy to see each other though oh yeah <laughs> oh there's a scene where Brigitte Nielsen is fully dressed in the jacuzzi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, that was also cool. Are they an item? I don't know. Um, Let's say yes. Wallace Shawn sure. and Brigitte Nielsen. Okay. <laughs> they, yeah, I hope so. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> That's a cute couple. Yeah, definitely. Well, she would, she would later be linked with Flava Flav, right? Uh-huh. So I don't know. She's, 
there's there's one weird thing about this movie so they're running around trying to get some dude's thumb for a thumbprint at one point they like cut a guy's thumb off and wallace sean is in southland tales and that also revolves around people cutting someone's thumb off or like interesting voting and stuff like that strange ass parallel there i love how that thumb thing like it takes them so long in the computer for like identify it or whatever or confirm it like i thought there was gonna be some problem because instead of like automatically being like you know thumbprint confirmed they really dragged it out for a good 30 seconds of and they're like <laughs> is it gonna work for like no reason it's like confirmed okay <laughs> all right let's get to the questions then who was this movie made for we've been you know kind of playing tennis with this question so who, who do we think this movie was made for i think initially it was made for like an older sort of like high school crowd, but they sort of, they kept sort of like cutting it down and cutting it down and, and like weakening it up. And it's like, now it doesn't make any sense anymore. And so it's like, let's just say it's for sort of younger kids. Maybe I'd say like more junior high than high school at this. So like right between like that, like 11 to 13 year old sort of zone before you can go to like PG-13 movies on your own, they're like, hey, give them this, this is close. It's got some shits in it and like, <laughs> some hot girls how about you austin what do you think uh i think it was made for bad boys <laughs> made for made for teens <laughs> hot hot young teens <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, yeah re- rebellious teens who are into uh hacking and skating and getting in over their head yeah i really really can't imagine that this was made for kids even though it has kid in the title uh, it doesn't feel like a kid's movie. I don't, I don't think it's for the under 12 crowd. I think it's that sweet spot of like 13, 14. All right. Most likely to succeed. Which character would win that award in the superlative? Who won the movie, really? Uh, I guess Lance did, right? He's going to go on to be a secret agent now? Not officially, right? But I'm assuming, right? Like I have to... You know who I'm going to say? The environment one, the rainforest one. <laughs> no, no, no. But if that, if it has to be a character, I guess Lance. Unless you have an objection, Austin. No, no, I'll go with that. <laughs> Wooderson Award. Is there a character here who piqued your interest and one that you would have liked to have seen a little bit more of? Uh, well, Karen Black only because I like the actress, and I did think she was like funny in her brief role. Yeah. But I also kind of like that she made the most of having a brief role. So, yeah, I mean, her, just because I always want to see more Karen Black. And Brigitte Nielsen was great, but still, like, a little bit underutilized. I would have wanted to see her do, I don't know, something else. She was in the movie the entire time, which surprised yeah. me, considering other actors yeah. were kind of in it a just, lot less. I don't know, maybe she didn't, like, speak very often, or I just felt like she was there, but she wasn't present like as much as she could be. How about you, Mike? Uh, John Reese davies you know, I mean. Ooh, good one too. Gone too soon. Uh, granted, one of the most bizarre, incomprehensible deaths I've ever seen in a movie ever. <laughs> yes. So let's go back going for it. <laughs> All right. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Is there anyone you would delete from the film. Doesn't have to be because of inappropriate nature, but any any cuts to this film? Austin, you go first. Um I mean I don't know if the whole like character would need to go, but like the like rape uh thing. <laughs> I don't mean to <laughs> laugh, but you're right. The, Im- the implication of 
rape was, was just like uh not didn't fit in like i'll, I'll go out and, and i'll just say it like they he, you know he's black they have like one real black character in the film and he ends up being like the person who implies let me rape this young girl like c- come on people like yeah yeah that is also problematic it's right at the end of the movie it's like we're almost done with this movie why did you have to put that in there we were so close oh boy yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was my pick mm-hmm. i don't know i don't want to get rid of the whole character but there's no one i don't know there were a lot of people who i didn't really know who they were or what they were doing <laughs> so they weren't like problems but i want oh i wanted to ask that is when they're in, when Wallace Shawn and Bridget Nielsen are in that like room at the end and they're playing chess, there's those two guys sitting there. You know what, you know who I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. It's like from Spies Like Us. It's like the two suits in the room. Yeah, who were they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were some kind of money backers that were involved. Oh, okay. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. They were the people who were paying for this to happen. Yeah, there were times where it would like cut to characters like that, and I'd be like, "Who are these people? And like, how do they even tie into any of this?" So I think you know, the movie lost them. It would be less confusing. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's not like one solid no, answer. No, just but, kind of an overall yeah. sweep. But you gave a bunch of good answers. Mike, do you have any differing ones? Uh, no, not not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cameron Fry Award. Did anyone look too old to be a high schooler in this film? There aren't that many teens in the film. If you told me that they weren't teens, I would believe you as well. So it's really hard to say, you know what I mean? If, you, if like these are people who are like 20 or something, I guess maybe their behavior. I don't know. There weren't a lot of teens in the film. We didn't get that. So it's kind of hard to say. So I, I guess I'll reframe it. Did you, simple as this. Do you think that Corey Haim was a convincing teenager here? Yes, I do. He he was like very sort of spastic at times and energetic, but also like resourceful and funny and you know it's like they were saying behind the scenes like he may have had some bad days and stuff but when he's on camera i think he's legit you know like he brings it as long as it's like pointed at him and i can understand when it's turned away maybe he's not like on or whatever but like i think he's good in this you know for what it's worth yeah i agree with all of that yeah i mean i i think he's a good actor like he really is he's good at playing this particular role and that's why i think he's able to play it for a decade just being like a teenage kid because cool or not cool he still has a similar quality about him he's not a chameleon kind of actor where it's just like oh holy shit i can't believe he played that role right like there's uncool Corey haim and there's cool Corey haim but cool Corey haim is still a little bit uncool and that's okay Okay, so uh, let's grade the movie. Let's hand out those report cards. This one's going to be a little tough in terms of comparisons. There was not any critical score in Rotten Tomatoes, so N.A. there. It's better than the zeros and 17% we've been getting. And frankly, not a lot of people reviewed the movie in terms of the audience as well. It got 13%, which is not good, but I think it was only like 20 or 30 people in total, reviewed it. Letterboxd, the film nerds we know and love. A lot more people watched it there. 2.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. 
But we don't care about Letterboxd. We don't care about Rotten Tomatoes. All we care about is how we felt after this dandy of a film, The Double O Kid. So, Mike, you have seniority. You go first. What will you grade A plus to F? Right. The Double O Kid. Okay. Um, boy, this is a tough one because I just want to go by my feelings. You know what I mean? Like, people are going to look at this movie and... and maybe call me crazy because I like had so much fun or whatever but that's all this is this movie's a lot of fun you know and you got to sort of put aside whatever problems it has going for it which aren't that many by the way especially from the films around this time that are direct to VHS this seems pretty much like in line with that type of material and and other Corey VHS stuff and I thought it was a lot of fun. Now I'm not gonna like go nuts and just like give it an A or anything, but I'm gonna give it like a B plus because that's how it made me feel. You know, I was confused and confounded at times, but I was also smiling and laughing and and having a good time watching. So it passes. More than passes, it's a B plus. It more than passes. I mean, you should probably get a C, but um, it's been a weird ride with these Corey movies. Uh, and like to get one like this in the mix was a nice surprise and everything so i'm gonna give it maybe more than it deserves well you're with the cats and brats man here so uh go with your heart because austin i know you go with your heart so what does your heart tell you for the double o kid uh, i'm pretty shocked that i'm going lower <laughs> than anyone <laughs> but i would say b yeah i grade based on just like how i feel and how, how much it entertained me and worked for me. So it's a B, solid B. I think I'm caught in the Corey matrix a little bit <laughs> at the moment, you know? <laughs> My exposure level. I gave it a C plus, the lowest score of all of us. And I thought I was going to be a high score here. But <laughs> for all the crap I'm talking about it, it was such an easy hour and a half. It was, yeah. it was just like a breeze to watch. I'd watch it again if it was on. I don't know if I'd seek it out, but I'd watch it again if it was on. Again, it was so harmless and so grand. I, I'm tempted for that B-, minus, but I got I to gotta have some sanity here. I, I feel like someone's going to get... You know, Joey, Joey Lewandowski, uh, you're listening. He's going to listen, and he's going to be like, oh, I can't believe you guys gave it such high grades. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it now whenever you know, I'm rifling off his movie titles and stuff like it, I feel like it earned a place for me. You, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it that B minus. Let's stick in the B family. <laughs> Let, let's do it. Let's right. see, I don't have too many bad things to say. All my questions are like, what the fuck was going on? Haha. <laughs> that's weird. I was not bored for a second. I was just confused. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I, I'm excited for this one. Sleeping bag question. Austin, you, you go first. What is what is your the double O kid sleeping bag look like? How to have that computer generated chess game? <laughs> All those chess pieces with the Corey Hain piece with the backwards baseball cap and everything. Yeah, just that design all across. Mike, you know I've been known to give a offer to pay for tattoos on this show. I'm not going to do that, but. I'm going to make a suggestion that you get that Corey Haim chess piece with the backwards cap <laughs> tattooed to your body somewhere. I think you need it. <laughs> well, what does your sleeping bag look like, at least? Uh, it looks a lot like his zoot suit from the zoo. Ooh. Oh, nice. Not quite sure how else to explain it, but it's like a 
patchwork of an eyesore of like bright colors just sort of makes you want to dance nice i like that one hmm. you guys took my idea so i'm just gonna go with an alligator print uh sleeping bag alligator is a big part of the film so we'll do that <laughs> It's a huge part of the film. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the main part of the Essential. <laughs> All right. So my favorite question every week, we're in that magical blockbuster that defies time and space and logic, has every movie to ever exist. We know we are renting the Double O Kid for our slumber party today. But we get to that counter, and it says, rent two movies, get one free. But Austin, you usually go crazy with this, and I'm gonna let you to continue to go crazy with this. We're just gonna we're just gonna do our rentals. So I'll go first though, because I I had two and I wanted to I've been saving these, slightly teasing them. So this producer, Stephen Paul, he produced a lot of things, and I went to go look at like the other movies he's done. And I was like, let me pick two movies from his catalog that kind of jive with what's going on in the Double O Kid. I haven't seen either of them, but that's going to be the theme. Movies produced by Stephen Paul (laughs) that I have not seen, but I really want to see in this trifecta. So if we watch watch the Double O Kid first or whenever, the second film we're going to watch is called Never Too Young to Die. Have either of you you heard of this one? Yeah, of course. John Stamos. John Stamos, and this is also kind of... Yeah, I love this. I love that. So I've wanted to see this one. This is actually on my list. And I was happy to see that he produced it because it's also kind of Bond-esque. George Lazenby is in the film. Mm -hmm. And apparently, and I'm using the terminology they use on the back of the VHS here. Gene Simmons plays Velvet Von Ragnar, a hermaphrodite, an evil hermaphrodite, which does not age well today, but... What the F is this? Oh, it's uh, an amazing performance. <laughs> Gene Simmons is so good. Oh, boy. So Never Too Young to Die, I think, would pair it well with this. So Stephen Paul, another hit from yours. And then I'm going to a Stephen Paul movie he produced after this film. And it's Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, which he also, okay. which he, which he also wrote. I was going to do the first Baby Geniuses, which I think was his most box office worthy film super babies baby geniuses 2 was a huge bomb but there are more secret agents in this the babies who are geniuses so right. I, I figured it would pair better than just uh baby geniuses the first one and i think the big deal is that just they're talking and stuff right and they're geniuses okay. this one they're like saving the world so my three picks and i rarely pick it but austin you always motivate me to so the double o kid never too young to die and <laughs> Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. I love it. I don't love Super Babies. I think the first one is much better. But I love that. I love these selections. <laughs> and I think they would play well together. I've seen Baby Geniuses. I have not seen Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. So I'll take your word for it. Scott Bayo, John Voigt, who knows? Mike, why don't you go next? So two picks, two picks. Uh, so just two movies, right? Okay. I mean, you can pick as many as you want, but at minimum, two movies. Okay, okay. So first up... You know, one of the great spy, children's spy films ever, starring the one Nick Cage, Uh, (laughs) G-Force. G-Force is about a bunch of rodents who work for the government that are spies that accidentally get tricked and stuck in a pet store, have to break out and stop 
uh, Nick Cage, who plays Speckles the Mole, from taking over the world and handing it over to China. It's great. Like, it's a lot of fun. I remember when we reviewed it on Cage Club, like, uh, how unexpected, unexpectedly good it was. Like, the animation's amazing. It integrates into the live action perfectly. It's got a great cast. Sam Rockwell, Zach Galifianakis, Nick Cage. So that's my first pick. Nice. nice. Yeah, I love G-Force. Um, second pick. I guess got to go. This is another part two. Got to go with Spy Kids 2. I mean, I love Spy Kids 2 in particular. The Island of Lost Dreams. Um, Robert Rodriguez, Spy Kids quadrilogy, I think, at this point. There's four of them, maybe. A lot of fun. Uh, but especially that second one is uh, really great. And I think Rodriguez is like firing on all cylinders during that one in another, you know, cool kid spy film. Like I love it. I love both of them. I think they fit so well. Mm-hmm. That I think we're on a good roll here. So Austin, our, our main event, what do you have for us? All right. So I'm, I'm tempted to swap out one of these with If Looks Could Kill, because that Oof. I didn't know that one. It looks really good. But I'm just going to go with what I wrote down. So two movies I've never actually seen. Oh. But I think they, from what I know of them, I think they fit thematically. And I just like thought of them. Uh, so the first is Masterminds with uh, Vincent Carthizer and uh, Patrick Stewart. Interesting. So Patrick Stewart is like a terrorist who takes over a high school. And then I think it's Vincent. I'm pretty sure it's Vincent Carthizer. But he has to oh, like yeah. do something with involving hacking to stop him. <laughs> but he also just kind of accidentally becomes like a crime fighter. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I like the trailer. It looks good. I remember it coming out in the 90s. I just never saw it. This is awesome. I'm looking at it now. I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is Debs. D-E-B-S. Debs, of course. Yeah. So that's another Spies in High School with uh, Jordana Brewster and Devin Aoki. So yeah. Shout, shout out to Too Fast, Too Forever. That's how I know um, it. <laughs> Yeah, so I really want to see it. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but it, it looks really cool. So that's the first uh, option. So just Teenage Spies, that's the theme? Yeah, yeah, Teenage Spies. I don't know how much he's a spy in Masterminds, but yeah, like high, high school spies, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just one for us today. I mean, that's fine. No, 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 I have more. Oh. oh. <laughs> Let's go with this one. Um... So another Corey Haim movie that looks just sort of similar as like a teen action film is called Fast Getaway. Yeah. Again, I haven't seen it, but it also has a really fun trailer where he's talking to the screen. Um, <laughs> and Cynthia Rothrock is in it, and she's a really cool like martial artist who was in a bunch of movies. Oh, that's uh, cool. I think that would pair well. And then another movie that Brigitte Nielsen is in with Corey Feldman. Oh. Called She's Too Tall. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> she's too uh, tall? So she, yeah, she's like a model or something. <laughs> oh my so I don't know God. anything about it. <laughs> but, 1998, a sweatshop owner, Corey Feldman, lands a contract that could help a clothing designer break into high fashion. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, this is glorious. We won't cover it here. He's not in high school, but it is glorious. Yeah, so I think those will all play together. So here's the ones that I've actually, some movies I've actually seen. 
these are exploitation movies. And Double O Kid is definitely going to stand out with these two. Um, <laughs> but it'll, it'll work. So one is called For Your Height Only. So it's from 81. It stars a, a three foot tall Filipino action star named Wang Wang. And he plays Double O. And he, he plays a secret agent named Double O. So, you know, that fits. Oh boy. Okay. Just a fun action exploitation movie. And then the second one is Double Agent 73. So this stars Chesty Morgan, who has a bus size of 73 inches. Oh my God. <laughs> and she has cameras implanted in her breasts. So she has to like take her top off and she like lifts her, her tit and it'll like take a picture of top secret uh, documents. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's by Doris Wishman, who is a director that I'm obsessed with. Nice. So yeah, I love both of those movies. Double Agent 73, I think it's like a masterpiece. For your height only, I think it's fun. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, great films. I think that's my final triple feature. I wanted to pair it with the documentary and Open Secret, but I couldn't think of a third one that would be appropriate. I guess any Corey's movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, I'm Go ahead at... and look it up. <laughs> I just did. I just did. <sighs> An Open Secret is an American documentary film exposing child sexual abuse in the film industry in California. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, um, so the Corys are, I believe, like pretty featured in that. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, like maybe Kid back. Ninety. Oh, Kid Ninety. <laughs> I don't know. Kid you 90. can, you can cut out the open secret stuff. If you want. <laughs> I might, I might. <laughs> but I'm glad you shared it. Brian, we might have mentioned that Alex Winder documentary about the child stars as well, and I think it dives into the same sort of subject matter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Together and you know have a great fun night, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what yeah, a way! So what a way to end. Those are my choices. <laughs> well, guys, this was an absolute pleasure. First, Austin, I know you have some cool stuff on the happening. So why don't you tell the slumbers all about it? Because it, if they enjoy your picks, I think they're going to enjoy what you have in store for them. So I've started a Patreon where I do a video movie review shows where I cover movies like this for the most part. Uh, a lot of trash, a lot of horror, because <laughs> those are the movies that I that uh, do something for me. So they're like four-minute reviews, and there are a bunch of them on YouTube that I did a couple of years ago, and now they're a little different, a little more advanced and longer. It's called The Truth About Cats and Brats. And the title is because I'm I'm the only reviewer who will tell you the truth about movies like cats and movies like brats, which is <laughs> that they are great. They're really good films. Uh, <laughs> and then I also program like a triple feature of the month. That's just kind of three movies I recommend together, like I like I just did. Um, and I I'm building pre-shows, and I was thinking I would actually build actually put together a Corey Haim like video mixtape for Double O Kid and make it available to Slumber Party listeners. That sounds interesting. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, so that so that can be kind of a an in and a 
an example of the kind of like pre-shows that I make for these triple feature uh, choices. Nice little synergy. I love it. That sounds great. I'd love yeah, to see that. It'll be trailers and interview clips and, you know, just various Corey Haim stuff. That's awesome. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And it's patreon.com slash Wolf Southern, which is my name. Uh, all is one word. W-O-L-F. S-O-T-H-E-R-N. Well, Austin, this was a pleasure. We're looking forward to that. Mike and I, in one of our last episodes, we were just talking about you because you, you tell it like it is. You, you, give it, <laughs> you give it real to us, and we appreciate that. Mike, anything you want to say before we head out? Uh, I guess if you would like to hear more of me, you could go to cageclub.me, um, and I'm on other shows like Third Time's a Charm, which is my show. Uh, Austin's on the Poison Ivy 3 episode, which was, mm-hmm. we rented a mansion for that movie also. <laughs> uh, that's the third of the month, every month, where I look at the third movie in a franchise. Been a lot of fun. Brian's my unofficial co-host over there for a bunch of episodes. And then I have another show with Dan Cologne called The Monsters That Made Us, our new show. Uh, it's the last Friday of every month where we're looking at uh, original Universal monster movies. Uh, so check that out right now. I think um, the next episode to come out will be Dracula's Daughter, which is an amazing movie. So uh, check that out wherever you get the podcast. Well, guys, this was an absolute pleasure. I love talking about the chaos together and then finding out we all really enjoyed it anyway. So that's awesome. Um, again, Austin, we'll have you on again for sure, especially since awesome. I still have you on recording. Say you pretty much will volunteer for everything. And Mike, yep. you're obligated to... At least continue a couple more Corey movies with me yeah. this year. And we'll st- <laughs> I'm a man of my word. <laughs> and we'll have to start again next year. Maybe we'll parcel it out the recording next year and not have to watch all these like in a three week span. <laughs> we'll figure- we gotta go to prom soon, Brian. We yeah. got prom, man. Oof. We got prom. We got uh, we got some other stuff to do, but uh, yeah, and maybe maybe some other uh, shows coming down the pike. Who knows? But uh, once again, Austin, thank you so much, and Mike, thank you as always. Such a pleasure chatting with both Mike Manzi and Austin Wolf Southern. You knew it was going to be fun when you heard that Austin was back. And it's always fun with Mike, too. But with this movie, that was a blast of an episode. Wow. So we have another Corey episode, of course. And it's another Corey Haim one on Monday. So your homework will be to watch this film. And by the way, it's on YouTube. Easy to watch. The Prayer of the Roller Boys.
Once in, never out. Boy, we are far away from Lucas, aren't we? <laughs> this is going to be fun. You know Mike Mancy's going to be there. We're going to be talking about Prayer of the Roller Boys. Can't wait, can't wait. And remember, check that out on Monday at cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcast. And by the way, while you're at the podcast app of choice, give us a five-star rating. Write us a positive review. All that helps the algorithm that helps High School Slumber Party become the popular kid in class. That's for sure. Oh, one more thing I didn't mention that we'll talk about on Monday in High School Movie News. Fear Street. Netflix is going to release all three Fear Street movies like in a row. (laughs) This is going to be crazy. What a summer. So much to cover once again. (sighs) Anxiety, anxiety all around, but we'll do it. That's our duty here at High School Slumber Party. Remember, guys, one more thing. Life, well, it moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. I'll leave you with another song off this soundtrack, the Double O Kid soundtrack. I literally put Double O Kid soundtrack in YouTube and it came up with this song, Above and Beyond. So let's do it. Above and Beyond. Later, dudes. You win some, you lose some. You know that's what they say. But nothing and no one can take a It's over. Go home. Go.